so I'm here with Ms. Tanaya Joshi, and she is a founder member of DAKE, which is the Desi LGBTQ Helpline for South Asians. Um, Tanaya, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be here. Um, so basically, before we get into it, I kind of want people to get to know you a little bit. So kind of just share what your hotline does and what you, who like your story, who you are with everyone who's watching or listening. Great. So my name is Tanea. I a little bit about me. I was born and raised in Mumbai. My family immigrated here when I was 11 years old. Um, I first very accidentally came out to myself in my diary when I was 13 years old uh, and had a crush on my best friend at the time. And then I followed that up. I, I talked about how beautiful her hair looked. And then I followed that up by saying, I'm not gay. Uh, and then 10 years later, I uh, did actually end up coming out. Um, met my partner a month later. A little bit about my story and what brought me to Dake is that um, I've had a really hard time uh, with my family when I came out, um, which is one of the reasons I'm really excited to chat with you today. Like if we're talking about stigmas, if we're talking about um, uh, sort of how this South Asian community views minorities, I think um, my my life experience is like a class example of um, you know the sort of uh, harm that I think our community can can do. Um, uh, and, and also the, the really lovely stuff that comes out of the community, because as so I came out to my parents about, about a year after dating my partner, um, who's, who I'm now married to, um, and, uh, my parents and I uh, were in a standstill for about seven years. Um, I, it took me to break ties with them for them to like understand the importance of, you know, parenting me or like, you know, being in my life as my parents. Um, and when they eventually came around, they came around with the help of a lot of our community. They help. They came around because so many people talked to them. And once they came around, so many people celebrated them. You know, there were so many people who were, uh, they came around just a few months before our wedding. Um, and uh, so many people were so excited to see them at the wedding. And um, yeah, that's, uh, that's like my journey as like a queer South Asian person. Um, and uh, I think as far, so coming back to Dake, um, DAIC is a uh, LGBTQ peer support hotline for South Asians, and that includes um, Indians, Pakistanis, uh, and anybody of this, anybody else of the South Asian uh, diaspora. Um, and uh, what we do is we're a group of individuals who have shifts through the month, uh, uh, usually Sundays and Thursdays, um, and uh, Sundays and Thursdays from five to seven. PSD. Um, and um, uh, we get a lot of different types of phone calls, uh, you know, from people just sort of processing to people needing to make a game plan of moving out. Uh, people just maybe coming out of a really hard conversation with their parents or people building up to a conversation with their parents. I've taken a, a plethora of calls. We also get a lot of emails through our form for folks who don't feel comfortable or do not have the space to pick up the phone and call. Um, and uh, outside of that, uh, you know, we're, uh, I think, planning our first ever in-person in retreat this year. So um, yeah, very. this is a very exciting time for me to be a part of DAIC and volunteer and give give back to my community, um, who's, so much of whose journey I uh, sympathize and empathize with. That's awesome. Um, now being at like the stage that you are with DAIC, what advice would you give to yourself who first came out to your parents at that stage and they didn't approve at first? What would you say to your parents? Wow, that is such a good question. Um, I think I would just tell myself to believe in the power of community, 
to continue building, building community the way I know how to do um, and uh, to keep doing me, just to keep doing me. And honestly, I would tell myself to, um, I, <laughs> I would tell myself to build courage to cut ties with them a lot sooner than I did. I mean, that's so hard. Yeah, it's not advice I can give somebody at think, you know, if somebody calls, I can't be like, don't talk to your parents. Yeah. But um, yeah, if I look back at myself, uh, those are the few pieces of advice I would give. And I, I was fortunate because I had people in my life giving me that kind of advice. Um, and so I think I did follow a lot of it, but um, it's never hurts to hear uh, that over and over again. Right. So they specifically, does it focus on like, kids my age like I'm 17 like does it focus on kids or is it more like adults like what really is it anybody and everybody can call us I've picked up calls from folks uh who are yeah in in high school who are getting ready to graduate and they're like when I go to college I'm gonna come out to my parents um all the way up to adults okay what role do you think like South Asian stigma plays in this like does it play a big part yeah, I think it I think it plays a massive part and I think there are a couple of different sides to it that that show up, that that have shown up pretty consistently in my calls. Um the first is culture, the 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 whole like look ya kahenge, what are people going to say, right? Um and I think a lot of parents uh are our we are very community oriented people and I love that about us and I think that also ends up becoming one of the hardest things about being a South Asian person is that you always want to show good face to the community. And uh, I think that ends up becoming one of the things that makes it hard for parents to um, listen to their kid and be like, okay, so my kid's gay and, and that's fine. Like the, it's more like my kid's gay, what does that mean for the way that I look? And so that, that tends to be one thing. Um, religion plays a really big part. I've heard stories of people using religion to control their kids. Um, I've heard stories of people getting more and more religious through uh, uh, the many years they spend not accepting their kids and and continuing to use religion as a crutch to not do the homework to come to like come to terms with your kid's sexuality. Um, so those are the two most prevalent factors that I see um, that sort of get in the way of um, the the kids of these parents uh, being able to have a, a stress-free uh, 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 coming out. Right. So if there was, what advice kind of would you give to a South Asian team who is like, um, whose parents are using religion as something against them? Like, what do you say to that? Yeah, we have at Dake, we have a lot of really fantastic resources. Um, we actually have a big spreadsheet that one of our members is cleaning up at the moment. Um, and there are, uh, there are some really fantastic resources of people of different religions uh, who are uh, accepting of the LGBTQ community who are able to sort of reinterpret the way that some of their religious texts are being read because ultimately these texts are so old and they're not the language that they're written in is not the spoken language today so there's a lot of stuff that uh, you know, gets lost in translation. And I, I've heard people of the same religion sort of be like, no, my religion doesn't allow homosexuality. And somebody else of that same religion being like, well, my, my religion totally allows homosexuality. So I think there are ways of looking at the same thing and interpreting it differently. Um, so that might be a really great resource to start with, right, is like connecting with people in your community, in your religious community, and being like, what are you seeing that my dad's not seeing or my mom's not seeing? Um, and that might be a really good place to start. And I think the base of everything that is, this is, this is the thing that surprises me is that 
every religion tells you to be good to each other. Um, and every religion tells you to just treat each other well. Uh, and I think we, I think we forget that. I think we get caught up in these, uh, caught up in, in these stigma and we forget to follow like the, the one of the first few things that any religion says. Do you think your story was more like religion-based or community-based, like as their reasoning? You know, I, I'm I'm inclined to believe my story was community-based more than it was religion-based. Uh, my dad is religious. Uh, my mom is not. and But neither one of our parents interprets my religion as uh, a one that uh, does not condone homosexuality. So there, there's nothing that they were specifically pulling from religious texts to use against me. Um, I think some of it is also just that there, there is a third part of it that has nothing to do with culture, which is that I think they're just seeing me one way. And when I when I came out to them, uh, it was almost like they were forced to see me another way rather than saying, OK, she's exactly the person that she is. I've just learned a new data point rather than looking at it that way. I think my parents were looking at it as, oh, she's not the person that she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's where I think. There, there was like a psychological shift that needed to happen that was not happening for my parents. So what advice would you give to, I already asked you about your younger self, like what advice yeah. would you give to your parents? So I think the first thing that I would ask is like, why are you parenting? Um, and if you're parenting because you want to raise somebody who represents you in society, I think that's that's automatically a miss there. Um, so that's one of the things that if, if I were talking to that parent, I would ask like, why are you a parent? Like what is, and then I would ask, what is your job as a parent? And I believe that a, any parent's job is to make sure that their child is a well-habited adult uh, who is contributing positively, if not net neutrally, to society, uh, right? And uh, you know, I think I think there's the the why is fundamentally missing, and that's where you get a lot of enmeshment in families, which is a really hard thing to divorce. And and I'm a peer support counselor, right? Like I'm not a, I'm I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. So my work is really limited. I've been in therapy for a really long time. So I like understand uh, the implications of having to break down a, a piece of thought and go to its root and search for it. But I think as far as these parents are concerned, so much of this is deep seated um, because this generation of parents tends to see their kids as, as their repre- representatives in the Indian society and in the world. Uh, and I think that I would encourage parents to start divorcing that and to start looking at this child as it's as an individual with its own free will uh and then saying okay uh now how do you parent this person and you're like oh well we're we're always going to spot you right and you're like yeah that's your job so if this kid is coming to you like if this kid is coming to you with a new piece of information that's all they're doing right like because this is a person with their own free will they've learned something about themselves uh and and i would sort of i it's a really hard thing to untangle and measurement and it's not work that I can do without being a therapist but um, these are sort of the questions that I would ask in order to begin to untangle that like self-identity that that generation of parents attaches onto us uh, in order to then say okay great now now look at this kid and and like now let's reframe their coming out. I feel like a lot of kids definitely need it. Like I know a lot of kids especially who kind of struggled with like a similar thing that you went through and it just like (laughs) Like, I don't know if, um, like, did your wife also struggle with the same thing? Yeah, she did. She's also South Asian. Um, and when she came out, her parents didn't, her parents were not particularly accepting. And 
Uh, I think her story is a little bit different. I think her parents were able to find their footing in their relationship a little bit better where they were like, okay, this is a part of you that we have to work on and we have to work on accepting, um, but you're still our kid and we love you and we don't want to lose you and we don't want to lose our relationship with you. Whereas for my family, they just let my sexual identity cloud their the, the entire way in which they saw me. My dad didn't talk to me for two years. My mom really struggled to like figure out how to keep that relationship with me when I was literally the same person I was, you know, the minute before I came out. So, um, yeah, so she struggled as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know a lot of South Asians who haven't struggled. And I'm really sad to say that. Um, and I know folks who are uh, in relationships, in heterosexual relationships, um, women who have, you know, since come out, um, who are never going to come out because they're like, oh, I don't need to come out, right? But like, if this were a more inclusive community, so many of these people would be like, well, I don't need to come out, but just so you know, this is me. I've learned this about myself. Like, that's all it has to be, but but nobody's creating these spaces to welcome this information. Right. How old were you when all this happened, like when you lost contact with your parents? I was 23, 24 when I came out to my parents, and I was 31 when I cut ties. So for about eight years, we were at a standstill. Um, for seven months, I didn't talk to my parents. My mom came around seven months later, and then my dad came around um, like a month before our wedding, right after I turned 33 or 32. Yeah. Yeah. So I had I had to do this work in my 30s. <laughs> Um, a lot of kids who like a lot of people who are watching my podcast are like kids my age so when if they come out to their parents and they lose contact with their parents it's like a whole different story so what yeah. advice would you kind of give to them because they don't really have a place to go that's a fantastic question um all right uh here, here's how I would approach this I think there is financial safety physical safety and emotional safety and those are the three buckets that you have to have completely full when you take a risk like this um, that's what I did. Uh, I made sure all three buckets were really, really full. And the way that I did that is like this. For financial safety, I had some sort of a job. It was like a campus job. It, it wasn't paying that much, but it was enough for me to be able to fly and see my partner and, and you know, pay for my groceries uh, and pay for rent. So that was great. Uh, then the second thing was, um, uh, so that's financial safety. The second thing is emotional safety. Um, so th that is basically who is your support system? What is your support system? And I built it in a couple of different ways. Uh, I went to my friends first. I started coming out to everybody, starting from my close friends outward. I started coming out. I was posting about my partner on uh, Instagram when I was on Instagram. Um, and people started to sort of put two and two together. So even people who didn't know me, um, or people, people who are, I wasn't super close to knew. Um, and so there was this like ripple effect across the community where people just knew. Uh, and there were people close to me who were able to sort of understand the tension that I was holding and people outside who, were, who just held this information. So I felt really safe being like, okay, a lot of people know this is great. Um, the other way that I was able to secure this uh, emotional safety was through um, my my dad's aunt, who is basically like a grandparent for me. I love her. Her and her husband, both incredible. Their son, Nikhil, is like an older sibling to me. Um, all three of them uh, were like my family ties. Uh, my parents' best friends were also uh, people I spoke with uh, to have basically advocates 
in case something goes wrong with my parents, I wanted people in my court um, to be able to talk to my parents. Uh, and then the third thing I did was go to therapy. I had a, a on-campus therapist um, who, who I was seeing at the time. Um, and then the last thing is physical safety, right? Which is like, okay, you get kicked out of your house, what happens? So if you have financial safety, you can pay pay for some amount of housing. If you have emotional safety with these people, are these people the ones who are able to provide you housing, right? Uh, and and really make sure that you 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 have like you 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 feel like this is going to be ba bad. Pack your bags, you know, and and like it sucks. But if you if it's dire for you to come out, I would say be this ready before you come out when you're that young, because it can be a really big risk to take. Now, I I don't want to sit here and be like every South Asian person will have a bad coming out. I want to live in a world where, where that is not true. Uh, and I hope that that's not true. Um, but I think for anybody who might feel like it might not go well, but for whatever reason, there is an urgency, I would I would check these three boxes off before um, I come out. Okay, that was such a good answer. Thanks. That was really good. Thank you. Did you have any other questions? Anything else you want to share? Um, that last question I think you asked me is really, really great. I, I think the only other thing I would say is, um, you know, be really, really true to yourself, be authentic, be honest with who you are and, and do that as early in life as you can. Um, because, you know, I moved here when I was 11 and I tried really hard to assimilate in American culture and stop being Indian. Uh, and then at some point in my life, I was like, screw this. I'm like only listening to Bollywood songs and mostly watching Bollywood movies these days. And like, you know, I love my, I love Indian food. Like, I'm born and raised in Mumbai. The city just like really resonates with me like that, that it like really informs who I am as a person. And, and I think that, that was like, that was a really big sort of the part of me that I felt like I was hiding. Uh, and, and under that were a lot of other parts of me that I was hiding. Right. And I think that your generation, I already see you guys, like there's, there's so many more kids who identify as like queer, uh, gender non-binary, trans, et cetera. So like the fact that you, your generation is even having the language to do this and, and the space to like come out, if not to their parents, at least among themselves and have these realizations gives me a lot of hope. And I that, that, that would be the one piece of advice that I give people is, or honestly my past self, like I would go back to my 13 year old self and say like, it's okay. You just, you had your very first crush at 13 and it was toward your best friend who's a girl. And that's fine. That's fucking fine. Celebrate that. Like celebrate the butterflies, you know, like revel in that and and just take that as a piece of information that you know about yourself and 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 do whatever you need to do with it, but stay true to it. Because I think the further you the farther you run away from yourself, the harder it is to come back to yourself and uh find ground again. And and then you know you're battling your parents in your 30s. <laughs> You are awesome. First Thanks. of all, just want to say that that was amazing. And um, also, I feel like I just want to acknowledge one more time, like how awesome it was that you took your story and you channeled it into creating such like an amazing outlet for other people who are in the same situation as you. So Thanks. that's amazing. Thank you. Um, and well, then, I, I'm not a co-founder. I'm just a volunteer. Okay. okay. But still, either way, Thanks. I appreciate even that. taking part in it. Um, and then uh okay also lastly I just wanted to ask like for um kids who or like adults or anyone who is kind of struggling or needs some words of advice or even just someone to talk to um how would they be able to reach the hotline great question um anybody who wants to chat with us 
can either call us on Thursdays or Sundays from 8 to 10 p.m. EST or 5 to 7 p.m. PST. Uh, our number is 908-367-3374. Alternatively, if you don't want to get on the phone, you can always go to dake.org. That is D-E-Q-H dot O-R-G. Uh, there's a big blue button on our website that says write to us now. If you click that, it'll take you to a form. Rest assured, one of our jobs as people on call is to respond to all the emails. So your email will be responded to either on a Thursday or a Sunday, depending on when you send it. If that is a more comfortable medium, you can do that. Um, also, if you call us and we miss you for some reason because we're on another line or we're having a technical glitch, please leave a voicemail and give us consent to call you back. And the next person on shift will call you back. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Of course. Thank Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to help us and talk to us. Thank you. Yeah.